Dr. Rena Hip. I'm a dental specialist and founder of RW Perio, located at 75 Harley Street. Welcome to my podcast, Life and Smile, where we talk about everything dental, lifestyle, business, and much more. Every episode, I'm joining conversation with a specialist expert in their chosen field, who give us a behind-the-scenes glimpse into their daily regime, career turning points, and an insider look at what they can't live without. As a businesswoman myself, it's so inspiring to hear how people have built their careers and shattered those glass ceilings. So, let's get the conversation going. What I find most inspiring about hosting the Life and Smile podcast, and one of the reasons we wanted to create it in the first place, was to be able to build a conversation and have in-depth discussions with guests who have created and involved hugely successful careers. But what we want to explore really is how they got to this stage and how they make it work, often in quite contrasting industries. Welcoming to 75 Harley Street today is an editor and writer whose career I have personally admired for many, many years. I'm so excited that she's able to join me in person, considering she has an extremely in-demand schedule. It is, of course, Lydia Slater, Editor-in-Chief for Harper's Bazaar UK. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, Lydia, welcome to the podcast. Um, great to have you back here in Harley Street. So you've got such a high profile and influential role as editor-in-chief for Harper's Bazaar UK. Um, you've been in the global publishing industry, involved with an incredibly impressive portfolio of titles throughout your career to date. This is an industry where the landscape ensures you've, you're involved with multiple channels and responsible for generating and editing, editing content across print, digital, supplement, and of course the experimental offering. Take me back to um, where it all started. Tell us, I mean, you're, you're involved with so much right now. Where did it all begin? How did you start out? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the very first time I had anything published, um, I was four and wow. it was in my school magazine. <laughs> um, and I really remember the kind of incredible excitement I felt opening it up and seeing you know, what I'd written in that sort of terrible wonky handwriting <laughs> and the drawing that I'd done as well. <laughs> I no longer do that. Um, <laughs> and I think, honestly, at that moment, I thought, this is what I want to do. Um, so then when I was 17, the first thing I wrote that was sort of published uh, properly was actually for Harper's and Queen, which yes. is obviously what Harper's Bazaar used to be um, and they had a teenage issue and I was 17 and um, I was sort of asked to help them compile it and I wrote some features for it and um, again that was just fantastically exciting so um, I did some journalism when I was at university um, and then I entered the Vogue Talent Contest. Right. And I came second. And it's really funny because I've never met anyone who came first because <laughs> my predecessor at Harper's Bazaar, Justine Piketty, also entered the Vogue Talent Contest and also, also came, came second. second. <laughs> so, so I think that's clearly, um, you know, a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yes, and so then I just started out, I started out actually in, in newspapers um, and I was at the Daily Mail and then I went to the Daily Telegraph and... Uh, then I had an incredibly brief stint um, at the Sunday Express. I was their features editor for a month, 
um, it wasn't the job that I thought I was going for. I was going to be editing a magazine and um, everything changed between the time that I resigned my job at the Daily Telegraph and the time I arrived at the Express and uh, it really wasn't for me. And then I was, um, I heard about this features editor job going at Harpers and Queen. So I went there and I absolutely loved it. And it made me really fall in love with magazines. And um, so, yeah, I've sort of... What a journey. I mean, the fact that, how does it feel? You were published when you were four years old and then 17 in that very magazine. Now you are editor-in-chief. Did you always know that was something that you wanted to do? And I mean, or is it, I mean, how does it feel to go from there to where you are now? Honestly, it just feels... It's my happy place, yeah, you know. I've, yeah. I just I love that particular magazine. I think Harper's Bazaar um, is just really unique because it kind of unifies. It's it's a you know it's the world's first fashion magazine. It's the right. oldest fashion magazine in the world. But what it's always had right from the start as well is this sort of incredible mission to empower um, its women readers, yes. um, which I really really believe in. And um, as well as that, it's got this sort of incredible literary and cultural heritage as well. And um, I think bringing together all those elements is something that I I really value. So yes, it's a very beautiful fashion magazine, but also you know every month we have really brilliant writers you know we have people like Margaret Atwood writing for us um, and you know fantastic photography and we we specifically aim to publish women photographers I don't know any other British magazine that's really trying to do that Um, and yeah so I you know it's it's the magazine it's an incredible privilege to be allowed to edit it because you know it's over 150 years old and there have been some incredible you know women editors along the way um you know Carmel Snow is one of them she's the person who sort of coined the whole phrase the new look and then Diana Vreeland was the fashion editor and you know it's really sort of incredible heritage but you know when you are actually in that um in the hot seat you can to an extent you know, make it the magazine that you personally want to read. Yes. Amazing. Um, so on that note, actually, you've been recognised for championing the career trajectories of, of many women. Um, if there was some advice that you had to give your younger self or uh, another woman starting off on the same kind of career pathway, what would that be? Gosh, that's a really tricky <laughs> one. <laughs> um, I, I think I would say say yes because I think very often we hold ourselves back for fear of making a mistake or Mm -hmm. looking stupid and actually it's you know yes you might you might make a mistake and you might look stupid but that's really not the end of the world and equally it might be the start of something incredible I um I very recently was talking to um a really great actress um who said to me that when she starts out in a film, she always tries to mess up really fast because <laughs> then people will start to direct her. And if they if she if they feel too right. nervous because of her status, then they just let her get on with it. And actually, it's much more interesting when you get other people's perspectives and, and it helps you produce a much better performance. So her point was we shouldn't be afraid of failing. And um you know, I can't say I'm not afraid of failing. Of course I am, but I try really hard not to be. So saying yes, what's your feeling on like, because with me, I think 
I have always have like a good gut feeling about things or a bad gut feeling. Um, and sometimes when I'm not sure, and I, I do agree, saying yes can open up so many opportunities. And often you're trying to, it's just an internal thing where you're trying to almost hold yourself back, but you know it's the right thing to do. Um, do you find in your career, like, do, do you, did you go with your gut feeling? Does that kind of, how, do you ever apply that? I mean, I'm always challenged yeah. constantly every day. You know, I'm asked to do things and that's they're not necessarily always in my comfort mm. zone. And I'm, I, I am just constantly trying to push myself because you never know. I mean, I, I'm always sort of slightly tormented by this feeling that, you know, perhaps I'm a brilliant golfer or something, <laughs> but I will never, ever know because I've never, never picked tried up a golf it. Yeah. club, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's that sort of thing. It's like, well... Yeah, why not give it why a go? Not? And yeah. then, you know, how bad can it be? Really? Exactly. What's the worst case scenario? Exactly. Um, makes total sense. So both the commercial and editorial landscapes have developed dramatically over the past decade with a demand for instant news accessibility and fast-paced content. So you must be constantly having to adapt to the ever-changing demands of the industry. Um, and based on this, um, from where you started to where you are now, I mean, getting and navigating through all of that, what would you say has been your sort of proudest moment to date god because <laughs> the industry must have changed quite dramatically um i mean there have been some you know many many amazing moments um you know from meeting sort of the the her heroines of my of my youth um i think when i first arrived at, at bazaar i was given um this franchise bazaar at work to sort of look after and at the time it was something that happened a quarterly and it wasn't it was very much about what you wore right and I sort of wanted it to be something that I could really get a lot out of and I built it up into a weekly thing and then we turned uh, sorry a, a monthly feature and then we turned it into a monthly event series and then that became the Bazaar Summit which is our sort of annual conference for yes. women in leadership we've had some really incredible women um, joining us there you know um, gosh off the top of my head I mean people like um, uh, Rosamund Pike and the former Prime Minister of Australia and you know it's a, it's a very wow. intoxicating mix of business women yeah. and and sort of superstars and Lifestyle. you know yeah. um, and and then and just that first one that we launched in 2017 to see something that I'd sort of thought of just actually come to life and actually be so inspiring was was a really great moment for me amazing um any other life goals still on your agenda <laughs> God, so many um <laughs> apart from being brilliant at golf obviously. <laughs> um I I've been told on and on and over and over that I should write a book and I'm mm, sort of yeah. beginning to feel that maybe now I I should just get on for with sure. it <laughs> yeah yeah that would be incredible um super inspirational I'm sure so bringing things now to your sort of day-to-day -day, um routine you obviously have accomplished um so much so there must be something that sort of drives you I mean what inspires you on a day-to-day -day basis to be able to achieve so much is there like an editor or mentor that you've always turned to or a particular book oh gosh um well, I, I think I've been incredibly lucky over the years because I work with a whole series of super inspiring women. Um, I mean, I mentioned Justine Piccardy. She, you know, I, I talk to her regularly. I find, you know, she's really inspiring and and also very supportive. But my previous editor, Harpers and Queen, Fiona McPherson, um, was also absolutely 
brilliant. Um, and then right from the start of my career, actually, I think I've been sort of supported along the way by the women that went before and just actually also just seeing them get there and what they achieved, you know, while having children and all the rest of it, um, I think has been really, really helpful. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it's nice when you've, you've, especially as a woman, when you see someone successfully juggling all parts of their life, um, it's not that you just have to focus on your career or your family or anything else. Um, it's so inspirational to be able to juggle the whole thing and do it really well and enjoy it. Exactly. Um, so um, your impressive background um, has seen you involved collaborating with many multi-industry experts responsible for the output of a vast edit of subjects that have been covered. You're combining luxury fashion with the best of culture, arts, literary worlds. Um, do you have any personal favorites in terms of topics that you like to be involved in or pieces that really stood out for you? Those something that you knew would have a huge impact. Any like particular favorites? I mean, I think what I love about working at Bazaar um, is just that the whole range of it. Mm. And it's, you know, we we try really hard to bring inspirational stories to the readers, but it's not, you know, one month it might be um, talking to Maria Grazia Curie, the creative director of Dior, about her, you know, what inspires her and her process. So that would be the fashion you know, the fashion story that's inspiring or, you know, it might be an interview with some incredible women who are fighting the data war in Ukraine right. um, to sort of, you know, to combat disinformation or, you know, it's just it, it, the thing about Bazaar is that we can sort of cover anything that we think is is fascinating and and we do you know everything from the metaverse to you know couture so it's the variety of it really it, yeah um, exactly the it whole is. mix of it it but, is the mix of it and, yeah. and you know you asked me before about what gets me up in the morning and actually it is working with that sort of incredibly brilliant team yeah. of of kind of everybody's an expert but also everybody really loves working with each other and um it's just such a it's just a brilliant place to to be yeah, it must be, I mean, it's so nice with my team as well. You're coming into work. The energy is really high. Everyone actually wants to be there. Yeah. It makes such a big difference to also your productivity and um, I'm sure your thoughts, et cetera, throughout the day as well. Um, so, I mean, looking at, obviously, we're very contrasting industries, but both very fast paced, high demands, deadlines, having to multitask, think on your feet constantly. Um, so working in London, uh, you know, you're, you're obviously balancing your whole week, your whole day. What would be a sort of typical day in the life of Lydia Slater? <laughs> I did actually, I gave this some thought, but and I know it's a bit of a cliche, but there literally wouldn't be a typical day. Right, I think okay. that's why I like it. <laughs> I mean, I, I work, uh, so, you know, as from ne uh, next week, uh, I'm talking sort of mid-September, sure. um, it's the fashion shows. So yeah. I will be running around from morning till night, going to see different shows. Then I'll be traveling to Milan. Then I'll be going to Paris. Mm -hmm. um, and that'll be sort of shows and appointments and dinners and cocktails. And, you know, that's all brilliant. But another time, maybe I'm doing an interview with someone. So I have to go to a screening right. or I go to see a, an artist's new launch or I'm at home writing or I've got, you know, endless meetings about, you know, what we're going yeah. to do next. So Every day, every day is, very, is different. very different and it's and it's very busy and I really like that because I think I'm somebody who's quite easily bored and actually right. being bored is, is my 
big fear. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so you like being busy, constantly doing something. Um, yeah. do you, so do you like? Do you ever switch off? Then do you find that you're always constantly thinking of ideas and the next project, or how how do you actually switch off? <laughs> um, I I am quite good at switching off. Okay, actually. that's. I good. get home <laughs> and um, and then I sort of try and stay off screens. Okay, um, and I like to you know read books. I'm yeah. very fond of sort of classic. I love an Agatha Christie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I like my garden. Yeah. And you know, hang out with my children, my dog. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So it's it's nice. I mean, I do consciously try and have that sort of that break because yeah. otherwise it could, you could just go out every night 10 times yeah. and yeah. You never see your family. Yeah, for sure. Have you always had that discipline then, like to have a cut off? Because um, sometimes, I mean, when I first started off, when I set up the practice, it was literally twenty four seven. But now I've got into a really good routine where I'm being disciplined with being disciplined. Um, yeah. Like actually, for, you know, because I think that act of time to re-energize is super important for you to be productive when you are working. Yeah. Um, do you feel that? Do you feel that you always like that, or is it something you've had to build into your lifestyle? I mean, I definitely think the whole bizarre at work thing has really helped me with yeah. that because I've talked to some really really successful women right. and you know most of them will say yes that's mm-hmm. what I do or yep. you know I consciously switch off after 6 p.m or whatever and you yep. think well you know if the former prime minister can do that or whatever <laughs> then surely I can as yeah. well and you and I think you just have to set your boundaries and once you've done that people accept them yeah makes complete sense um so when you are doing your writing um, at your desk, um, what three things would we always find on your desk as your kind of mini survival kit as such? <laughs> um, well, I I always have a scented candle yeah. because I really like them. Um, I I have a cup of tea. Yeah, <laughs> snap. <laughs> and um, I like to have a... A smile, my Smileson desk diary because okay. yep. it just it just makes me feel very organized even if the day is crazy <laughs> I can see it's all laid out there so I always have one of those on the go yeah yeah nice very close to what I do as well so <laughs> um, essential visas for the day um, and when you're off duty so any particular favorite spots in London or globally like where would you enjoy um, your time when you're not working well as one of the lovely bits of my job is also that I get to sort of try lots of new restaurants and mm-hmm. things like that, which is a huge privilege and I love it. But that means, I suppose, that when I'm kind of just doing something for me, it quite often tends to be the kind of old favourites. So right. uh, I it, I think during World War Two, the bizarre editors were a sort of fixture at Claridge's mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> so I feel I, I like to feel I'm sort of following in their footsteps yep. I love Claridge's I just love the atmosphere and um, it's just so glamorous um, and often when I'm at the shows as well in Paris and Milan it's it's that the big hotels the lobbies of the big hotels are where people mm. tend to hang out because they're just sort of totally classic and always stylish so I, I do love them and then again Cheekies um off St Martin's Lane I've just yeah. I've just never had a bad evening there so um yeah I, I do like to go there for a special treat I really love it 
Amazing. Well, I know you are super, super busy. So um, I'm really grateful for this conversation. Um, it's so inspiring to see how much you've done in your career um, and how you've supported other women as well um, in business, lifestyle, culture, art, everything else. Um, so thank you for sharing an insight into your day-to-day -day life um, and what helps and inspires you as well. I'm sure the listeners will find it super inspirational as well. Um, any any like big, exciting things coming up that we can look out for um, on our radar? Um, gosh, yes. Well, so many, obviously. <laughs> um, so uh, November uh, issue is our art issue. It's the yes. 10th anniversary art issue. And there's a very, very special cover star um, collaborating with a big artist. So that's really exciting. Um, and then we have our summit also that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. That's going to be in um mid-November okay and women of the year is sort of the highlight of our year and it's when we celebrate the incredible um women who've made such a difference to the year so look out for that amazing lots to look forward to thanks again Lydia and hope to see you again at High Street soon thanks so much thank you